Merry Christmas, everybody. It's good to see you guys. You look uh, nicer than you usually do. <laughs> so we're glad to have you here in St. Charles, especially greeting those of you who are in our overflow space. Sorry we couldn't shoehorn you into the auditorium, but we're glad you're here. And we're greeting those at our other campuses in Blackberry Creek and DeKalb. And in Streamwood Bartlett, our, our newest campus, it's not only Christmas Eve, it is their grand opening, their official grand opening. So would you give it up for Streamwood Bartlett? <laughs> Woo! Good to see you guys. Woo! All right, we just sang about the light of Christ. Let's pray that that light would shine into our lives while we study God's word together. Uh, God, you've given us a book, and in this book you reveal yourself to us. But we need your light to bring us understanding. So shine on the pages of Scripture as we read it and listen to you speak to us. Open our hearts, God. For those of us uh, for whom church is a different kind of experience and, uh, you know, we're not used to sitting still and listening to somebody speak at us, I, I just pray you give us open ears and hearts to hear what you want to say. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, back when I was in college, I did a fair amount of hitchhiking. Now, this is not something I would recommend today, uh, but back in the day, one of my favorite trips was a buddy and I hitchhiked down to Missouri to the Ozark Mountains to go camping. So we picked out a camping site uh, alongside of a lake, and when evening came, we were looking for something to do, and uh, we had heard about this outdoor theater right there in the middle of the mountains that did these big productions and people came from miles around. It was about an hour away. So we hitchhiked over to this play and we watched the play. It was late afternoon. What we hadn't counted on was that while we were watching the play, it was getting dark outside, like really, really dark. And so we get out of the play, and we're an hour away from our campsite, and we got to hitchhike back in the dark, in the mountains. No streetlights, no moon on this particular night. So we're waiting for any car to come by and pick us up. And we're, we're waiting for about 20 minutes before we see our first headlights. And the car comes and goes right by us. And that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was that the high beams of the car illuminated the road, and what we saw caused us to freeze with fright. Uh, evidently, in the course of the day, the heat of the sun warms up the asphalt of the road, so at night all the snakes come out to warm up their bodies on the road. And so here we are walking along in the dark with all sorts of snakes at our feet. I will never forget that experience. Obviously, we lived through it. I'm here. Uh, light illuminates things. Now, sometimes it's things we don't want to see, Sometimes it's things we really need to see. So when Jesus entered our world that first Christmas, he came as the light. He came as the light whom God had promised through the prophet Isaiah 700 years earlier. So God said, I'm sending the world a Savior, and he referred to the Savior as the light in a verse that we recited together earlier in the service. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. 700 years before Bethlehem, Jesus was the fulfillment of that prophecy. And that prophecy was confirmed by a, an old dude named Simeon one day in the temple, about a month after Jesus was born. Simeon was a very religious guy. He had studied all of the ancient prophecies that pointed to a coming Savior. He knew the prophecy from Isaiah about the Savior coming as a light, and he hoped that one day before he died, 
he'd get to see this coming Savior. So a month after Jesus is born, Mary and Joseph bring him to the temple to dedicate him. And Simeon sees this little baby and says, can, can I hold your child? And the minute he holds baby Jesus in his arms, he knows. Simeon knows this is the Savior. This is the light whom God has promised. And so he breaks out. He breaks out in a song recorded in Luke chapter 2. I want you to read a couple of verses from this song. So I'll read the gold, and then across our four campuses, you read uh, real robustly those white words, okay? Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. A light, a light for revelation to the Gentiles... Great reading. Simeon calls Jesus, this, this newborn baby whom he's cradling in his arms, God's salvation and a light for revelation. A light for revelation. In other words, light reveals things. So what did Jesus come to reveal? Three things. And if, if you want to follow in your program, you'll see an outline. You could fill it in as we go along. Number one, Jesus comes to reveal God. Jesus comes to reveal the light of revelation. He reveals God. Now, one of my favorite uh, old Christmas movies, black and white classic, 1940, is Jimmy Stewart's Shop Around the Corner. You ever seen that movie? Okay, some of you have. It's a story of a guy named Alfred Krolik. Uh, Mr. Krolik is the manager of a leather goods store, and as Christmas approaches, he's got to hire some extra help. So he hires this beautiful young woman named Clara. Now, he has absolutely no romantic interest in Clara. In fact, the two of them are constantly fighting, constantly bickering with each other. But that's okay because Krolik has got a, a romantic interest on the side with, with a woman that he's never met. Okay, so, so he saw this woman's personal ad in the newspaper and they became pen, pen pals, totally anonymous. They don't know each other. They've been writing back and forth. And one day Krolik decides it's time to meet this mystery woman. So he writes her a letter and says, I'd like to meet you at such and such a, a cafe, and I will know it's you if you'll take a red carnation and put it in a copy of Leo Tolstoy's novel, Anna Karenina. So at the end of work that day, Krolik heads off to the cafe. He doesn't want to go by himself. He asks a friend, Pirovich, to go with him because he needs some moral support. They get to the cafe, and Krolik cannot bear to look in. He's too nervous. So he says to Pirovich, would you look in and see if she's there? So Pirovich looks in and he sees this woman sitting there with a red carnation in Leo Tolstoy's Anna Karenina. And he says, I see her. And Krolik says, hey, is she pretty? And Pirovich says, oh, she's very pretty. In fact, she, she reminds me a little bit of Clara at work. And Krolik says, why do you bring up Clara at a time like this? And Pirovich says, well, if you don't like Clara, you're not going to like that girl. Why not? Because it is Clara. You, you saw this one coming, right? So his mystery girl, if he wants to know what his mystery girl is like, he's got to look at Clara because Clara is his mystery girl. Back in ancient times, people's gods were a bit of a mystery, kind of like Krolik's pen pal woman. Nobody really knew a lot about their gods. and In fact, people typically walked on eggshells around their gods because you never knew, is your god in a good mood? Is he going to treat me well? Or is my fickle god in a bad mood? Is he going to zap me? So when Jesus came to planet Earth that first Christmas, it was to reveal God to us. If we want to know what God is like, all we got to do is look at Jesus, because Jesus 
is God. Jesus is God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 in the New Testament puts it this way. It says, the Son, speaking of Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus is the radiance. Jesus is the light of God's glory. He's the light who reveals God to us. John chapter 1, verse 18 says something similar. I want you to read this out loud with me. Let's read this together across our four campuses. Here we go. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. You hear what the Bible's saying? You want to know what God's like? Get to know Jesus. Because Jesus reveals God. So if, if you want to know about God's power, look at Jesus. You know, he's the guy who stands up in a fisherman's boat on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a storm that was putting fishermen to fright, and he says, be quiet, and the storm stills. That's power. He's the one who raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. He's the one who confronts a demonized man who's got such superhuman strength that he breaks all of the shackles that are used to hold him down. And Jesus says, leave him, and the demon, the demon runs. Okay, this is, you want to know about God's power? Get to know Jesus. Okay, you want to know about God's compassion? Get to know Jesus. You know, he, he's the one who comes to the planet and feeds the hungry. He's the one who heals people's broken bodies. He's the one who gathers children on his lap. He's the one who touches people with leprosy, who are total outcasts in that culture. You want to know about God's compassion? Get to know Jesus. You want to know about God's holiness? Get to know Jesus. Okay, Jesus, while a friend of sinners, in fact, that's the nickname he's given because he's always hanging out with sinful people. While the friend of sinners, it's Jesus who says stuff like, you've heard it say, said not to murder, I say to you, don't even hate anybody. Or you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, I say to you, guys, don't even look lustfully at a woman. Now, on one occasion, Jesus heals this man who's been lame for 38 years, and after healing him, he says, now, now stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. So if you want to know about God's holiness, look at Jesus. If you want to know about God's wisdom, God's humility, God's majesty, look at Jesus. Friends, so many people today have a deficient view of God because they just don't know a whole lot about Jesus. Now, I hear people say all the time, they'll say something like, well, Jesus said, love one another. Yeah, that's the only line they know. Yeah, he did say that. He said a whole lot of other stuff. Do you know what else Jesus taught? Do you know who Jesus is? Be because until you really get to know Jesus, you don't get to know God. You have a distorted or deficient view of who God is until you get to know Jesus. So how do you get to know Jesus? There, there are four biographies of Jesus in this book, in the Bible. We call them Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, written by people who had eyewitness testimony about Jesus. So if you want, want to get to know Jesus who reveals God to us, then pick up one of those biographies and read it. And before our service is over today, I'm going to tell you which of the four biographies to start with, okay? Jesus reveals God to us. How do you get to know Jesus? Through God's book. 
And, and just a footnote to this, around Christ Community Church, we've been doing a campaign through the fall called the Bible Savvy Campaign. We've been trying to get everybody to read the Bible on a daily basis, and about 3,000 people have picked up a Bible Savvy journal. I just want to remind you, if you're one of those people, the journal runs out at the end of December. It's good for four months, and then you pick up a new one. So the January Bible Savvy Journal is available today across our four campuses. If you want to start reading the Bible to get to know Jesus so you can come to know God, you know, pick up a Bible Savvy Journal. Number two, Jesus reveals God. Number two, Jesus reveals sin. That's what his light reveals. I saw an advertisement in my news magazine a couple of weeks ago for something I hope nobody gets me for Christmas. Okay, the product is called Mint, and it's put out by a company called Breathometer. Now, now here's the pr premise upon which Mint, mint is, is uh, built. No one of us can smell our own breath, and that's a problem because some of us have bad breath. So if you get Mint and you suck on this high-tech $100 little tool, you put it in your mouth and you suck on it for 30 minutes, there are electrochemical sensors that will tell how much sulfur is in your breath, just how bad your breath is, and it'll give you a readout. So imagine this. You look under your Christmas tree tomorrow morning and there's a little gift with your name on it. Okay? And it's anonymous because somebody loves you and they just don't want to say who they are. And you open it up and it's mint from breathometer. Okay, what is that person trying to say to you? See, there are some things in our lives that we can't detect about ourselves. Somebody else has got to point them out to us. Like, like bad breath. Or like sin. So, so Jesus comes to shine his light in our world, and he shines on our sin, which we would never see unless he shined his light on it. Oh, we, we would probably see bits and pieces of it, but not the full extent of our sin. You know, the prophet Jeremiah puts it this way. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, he says that our hearts are deceitful and beyond cure. Nobody can know the sinfulness of their own heart. Let me repeat that last line. Nobody can know the sinfulness of their own heart. What does that mean, friends? Well, it means that we're all more sinful than we give ourselves credit for. It means that we're all more dishonest than we realize. We're, we're, we're all more judgmental than we realize. We're all more selfish than we realize. We're, we're all more resentful, more greedy, more arrogant, more prejudiced, more rebellious, more irreverent, more unloving then we realize we, we are in the dark about our sin and about the damage that our sin is doing not only to our own lives, but to our relationships with other people, especially our relationship with God. Well, Jesus, the light who entered our world on Christmas Day, he reveals sin. How does Jesus do that? Once again, you go to God's book and you get to know Jesus, you get to know his teaching, you get to know his character, and the teaching and the character of Jesus begin to, to expose the dark parts of our lives. Now, that's a good thing, right? To have it exposed? I mean, that, that mint breathometer, that's a good thing, right? I mean, wouldn't you rather know about your bad breath so you could do something about it as opposed to living with bad breath and grossing out all the people in your life? 
or ending up with gum disease. It's a good thing to know about our sin. Uh, The truth of the matter is, most of us don't like having our sin revealed. I want you to listen to what the Bible says about this. This is John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. It says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. We're talking about Jesus coming into the world at Christmas. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil, it's all of us. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. See, these verses tell us that our natural tendency is to do what? It's to run away from the sin-revealing light of Jesus. Every time I read that passage in John chapter 3, I think of something that happened to me back in college my junior year of college, I was an RA in one of the dormitories. And one of the jobs of an RA was if there was a visiting student who came with, a, with his family, her family, uh, we would have to show them around the dormitory, prospective students. So I'll never forget one time I had a prospective student and his family was showing around the dorm. You know, here's the lounge where students hang out. Here's the recreational area. Here's the laundry facility. And one of the last things on the tour, I said, Here, here's the dorm chapel. There was a chapel in this dormitory. Now, I'd never been in the chapel before, and as best as as I could figure, nobody used it, no student used it, because the light was always off. It was always dark. So I walked in ahead of this family, and I flipped on the light. This is the, the chapel I was about to say, and what a surprise I got. I discovered students do use the chapel in the dark. They've been making out, so everybody scurried for cover. And I turned to this family very quickly and I said, well, we'll just skip this part. There's nothing really to see. See, Walked right out. The the truth of the matter is we would rather stay in the dark about our sin than have it revealed. And this is why truthfully we have an aversion to Jesus. You say, oh, I like Jesus. No, not, not, not the real Jesus who exposes sin. This is why we have an aversion to the Bible. We just rather not get to know this book. It's why we have an aversion to church. But I want to tell you that's such a foolish aversion because keeping your sin in the dark doesn't make it go away. It's still there. It's damaging your life and it's destroying all possibility of a relationship with a holy God, a God who loves you, a God who has a wonderful plan for your life, but your sin is keeping him at arm's length. Jesus' purpose of bringing our sin into the light is not to shame us, it's to liberate us. It's to set us free from the shackles of sinful attitudes and behaviors, from bad habits, from broken relationships, from aimlessness. Jesus reveals sin. Jesus reveals God, he reveals sin. Thirdly, Jesus, the light of the world, reveals salvation. About six months before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Mary's cousin Elizabeth had a baby boy, and it was equally miraculous. Now, it was not miraculous because Elizabeth was a virgin like Mary. It was miraculous because Elizabeth was an old lady. Uh, She and her husband, Zachariah, had been married for years, and they'd always wanted a child, but they were childless. They were infertile, and they were well past childbearing age. And one day, an angel shows up to Zechariah and says, God's going to give you a son. 
Elizabeth's going to become pregnant and give birth to a baby boy. And that wasn't even the most miraculous part of the announcement. He said, this baby boy is going to be a spokesman for God Almighty. This baby boy is going to be the forerunner to God's promised Savior, the forerunner to Jesus Christ. Zachariah and Elizabeth eventually had a little baby boy. They named him John, a.k.a. John the Baptist. And when Zachariah held his son, John, in his arms for the first time, he burst into song, a Holy Spirit-inspired song. I want you to listen to the lyrics of this song. This is from Luke chapter 1. Zachariah says, You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. He's talking about Jesus. Okay, the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. So Zachariah's song says that his son, John, is going to prepare the way for Jesus. And Jesus is described in these verses, verse 78, as the rising sun who will come to us from heaven. The rising sun who in the next verse, he says, will shine on people who've been living in darkness. This is us. What happens when Jesus shines on us, those who've been living in darkness? Well, he reveals God's salvation to us. And there are two aspects of that salvation you see in this song. The first is forgiveness. This salvation includes forgiveness for sins. Look again at verse 77. Jesus' light gives the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of our sins. In other words, don't miss this. Jesus' light doesn't only reveal our sins. That's what we said a moment ago, our last point. Jesus' light also reveals how to be saved from the consequences of our sins. I've already alluded to the fact that sin has disastrous consequences in our lives, but I haven't mentioned the worst consequence of all. It's death. Now, the Bible says in Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. So God, who is the source of life, our sin unplugs us from God, disconnects us from God. And the consequence, when you get unplugged from the giver of life, the consequence is death. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 59, verse 2, your, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. Sin separates us from God, resulting, first of all, in spiritual death. We die on the inside spiritually. We're broken in terms of a relationship with God. And friends, that eventually leads, according to Scripture, to physical death and then to eternal death. This is a dark and ominous future for every one of us. But Jesus' light reveals the possibility of a better future. Jesus' light reveals God's plan for saving us from sin and from death. What's God's plan of salvation? Well, God sent his son Jesus to earth that first Christmas so that Jesus could pay the penalty for our sin. Again, what's the penalty? Death. Which is why 33 years after Jesus is born in Bethlehem, he lays down his life on a cross. He dies the death we deserve to die. He takes our death. He dies in our place. 
And now Jesus, having risen from the dead, offers forgiveness to all who will surrender their lives to him. It's just like Zacharias' song says, Jesus' light reveals the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Do you know for certain that your sins have been forgiven by God? You know, your big sins, your ugly ones, your, your pesky daily sins, your, your habitual chronic sins. Jesus' light reveals how to be forgiven. How? Will you surrender your life to him, the one who paid the penalty for your sins? In just a moment, I'll tell you how to do that, how to surrender your life to Christ, because when you do that, Jesus, listen, Jesus' light will shine into the blackest, most embarrassing corners of your life, and he will banish the darkness of your sin. But that's not all. The salvation that Jesus' light reveals goes beyond forgiveness. There's a second aspect to this salvation mentioned in Zechariah's song, and it has to do with peace. Look at verse 79. Zechariah says that Jesus' light will shine on those living in darkness. Last line of the verse says, in order to guide our feet into the path of peace. It's the second aspect of salvation that Jesus' light reveals, peace. Now, we all know about peace because peace has everything to do with Christmas, right? At first Christmas, Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and a group of shepherds out in their fields see an angel choir, and they sing this amazing song, and it builds to a climax and speaks of peace on earth. Peace. Jesus grows up, has an earthly ministry, and in that ministry calls people to follow him. And in John 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Now, the Bible's word peace is a very robust word. It doesn't just mean the absence of hostility. We talk about peace treaties that nations sign with each other. It means wars cease. But the Bible's word is much more robust. The word peace is a Hebrew word, shalom. Say shalom with me. Shalom. Shalom. And shalom means wholeness. Shalom means well-being. Shalom means health in every area of our lives. It means peace in our emotions. It means peace in our character. It means peace in our relationships with other people and our family and at work and our neighborhood. It means peace in our vocational pursuits. Wellness, wholeness. Jesus is the light that shines on the path of peace. So step one is to surrender to Jesus and experience the forgiveness that comes with salvation. But that's only the first step. You want an ongoing relationship with Jesus. You want to get to know God's word because the better you get to know Jesus, the more his light will shine on the path of shalom in your life. This is the path, the path we need to find. This is the light that we need. You know, my wife, Sue, she never knows what to get me for Christmas. She asks me and I say, I don't know. This year I had an idea because I'd been working out and at the health club I'd seen an infomercial for something I, I didn't know, but I'd always wanted. It's, it's for a tack light. Have you ever seen that infomercial? This is really, really cool. It looks like a flashlight, but it shines 22 times brighter than a flashlight. You could see its light for two miles away. And this, this light is indestructible. I mean, they had pictures on this infomercial of this, this light in a block of ice, still shining. 
You know, this, this light submerged in boiling water, still shining. This light, a, a big tough guy gets into a Humvee and drives over it, and it's still shining. It's a $60 value, yours for only $19.99, while the supply lasts. And I'd like a light like that. There's a bigger light. Friends, there's a, there's a light that everyone, every one of us needs. It's the light of Jesus, the light that will shine on our path when we're making decisions, the light that will shine on our path when we're weathering crises, the light that will shine on our path when we're navigating relational difficulties, when we're enduring grief, when we're raising our kids. That light is, is Jesus. So learn how to follow him. Learn about his word. And you walk the path of shalom. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads in prayer. In just a minute, we're going to do what you've all been waiting for. We're going to light candles and sing Silent Night. But in the next few moments, I want to ask you to make the most important decision of your life. I want you this Christmas Eve 2016 to surrender your life to Jesus if you never have. Because I want his light to shine in your life. I want it to banish the darkness of your sin. And I want it to light up the path that you would begin a relationship with him, begin to, to know and understand and apply his word to your life so that you can walk in his light. So if you've never surrendered to Christ, here's how you do it. It really starts with a very simple decision that you make from the heart. So as we're bowed before God, let me ask you to pray something like this. And if you mean these words, you, you, you put it in your own words. But let this prayer come from your heart. Dear God, I've been living in darkness. I know, as Pastor Jim said today, that there's probably a whole lot more sin in my life than I even give myself credit for. And that's kept me from an intimate relationship with you, a holy God. Can you say that from your heart? I mean, say, tell God what I just said from your heart. And then acknowledge that Jesus was sent to earth on your behalf to lay down his life on the cross to take the death your sins deserve. And just tell him that, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. And I want the forgiveness that you purchased for me there. And now invite Jesus to shine his light into your life and banish sin and to bring you the gift of forgiveness. Just tell him, Jesus, whatever's ugly... Whatever crud is in my life, I want you to shine on it and take it away and give me the forgiveness that you bought for me on the cross. And then lastly, if you want this to be more than just a decision, you want it to be a lifestyle, say, Jesus, I want you in my life from this time forward. I want to get to know your word. I want to learn what it means to walk the path of peace, the path of shalom in every area of my life. Can you tell him that? I want you to be the leader of my life. I want you to be the light that shines on the path. You put it in your words, but you tell him right now, this is what you want. Now, before I say amen to this prayer, we're all bowed before Almighty God. This is a really serious decision. I want to ask you to do something tangible that will help you remember this decision. So you just, you just made a decision in your heart, in your head. Tomorrow you're going to wonder, did I really do this or didn't I? Did I mean it or didn't I? So I'm going to ask you to do something right now that will demonstrate your sincerity. It's really, really simple. 
If you just prayed a prayer of surrender to Jesus, I want you to mark it by standing to your feet for one second and sitting down. Just stand up, pop up, and sit right down. I'm going to ask you to do this all around the auditorium in St. Charles, up in the balconies, in the hub, our extended space, in Blackberry Creek, in DeKalb, in Streamwood, Bartlett. If you've just surrendered to Christ and you want to mark this, I want you to do, even if you've got a child on your lap, I want you to mark it by just stand up for one second and sit back down. Would you do that? Go ahead, do it right now. Good, good. All right, keep going. You know if God's spoken to you, right? Just stand up for a second and sit back down. All across the auditorium, it's going on. Right, up in the balcony, across our other campuses. Say, yep, that's what I'm doing. I'm surrendering to Christ. All right. Let me close in prayer. God, I want to thank you for what you've done in the lives of these people who've just stood, as, as well as in the lives of those who prayed the surrender prayer and just couldn't make their legs work. But you know their hearts. And your promise is the day that we surrender our lives to Jesus, you send your spirit to come live on the inside. And he begins to make us brand new people from the inside out. And I pray that that would come true in the lives of every person who's just surrendered to Christ this Christmas Eve, 2016. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.